We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On the way, hit it hard, rebound, batted around. It's taken by Luka. He hits! He hits! With a second to go as he hits the deck. Tie 115. It worked! It totally worked! 10 assists, 21 rebounds, 47 minutes played. And now 60 points for the first time in Mavericks history. Hi, this is Luka Doncic, and you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. Uh, I'm joined today, rejoined, by a former guest, friend of the pod. Uh, you know him on Mavs Twitter, as everybody else does. It's Kirk Henderson. You can find him at Kirk Serious Face on Twitter. Uh, you can find myself at Dalton underscore Trigg. Kurt, how's it going, man? How was your how was your Christmas and New Year's holiday stuff? It's good. It's good. You know, it was um those those Mavs Christmas Day games are always a blessing and a curse because I really get excited about them in the summer whenever they get announced, and then when it comes up, it's like, oh, I'm gonna have to work, and my <laughs> wife's not gonna be happy. Um, you know, and and the thank goodness the the New Year's Eve game was at six o'clock. Be able to be done with like game stuff by like nine and still enjoy the evening. But it was, it was good. You know, it's uh, it's it's been nice. It's been about a year plus since I've been back in Texas, and I, I will say I enjoy it. Well, I I told Grant that uh, a couple days before that Christmas Day game, our guy Grant Afseth, who does great work at DallasBasketball.com, and uh he just randomly put into the group text he was like hey i'm available on christmas to uh kind of do whatever and i was just like good job yes (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i i uh i enjoyed myself over the over the break um got to take off from work a little bit um and i I ate too much so gotta get back in the gym today and and start uh getting back on track like I did toward the end of last year. So, uh, but the Mavs, you know, they, they've been on a, a tear lately. They, they've won six in a row heading into this game with the Houston Rockets. They played the Houston Rockets a bazillion times lately. Uh, this is the final time of the season. Uh, and they're two and one so far. The only loss that they have to the Rockets came when Luca didn't play. He took a game to rest and, it ended the way we I think thought. that may go down as like the worst loss of the season. It, it was awful. We, yeah, yeah the, <laughs> it was awful. 
it's it's funny. I, I pissed some people off during the Spurs game by basically saying that the Spurs are the worst team in the league and the Mavericks are like losing to them. And people are some people decided to argue with me about worst team in the league. Well, the Spurs have the worst net rating, but the Rockets are probably the worst team in terms of like they're just capable of like young guy bullshit where they hit a ton of shots. The Spurs are just bad. So it's it's like losing to the Rockets was a painful one, but but you know, I, I'm pretty sure they, you know, I don't know when you're gonna post this, but if they they should win this one tonight pretty pretty handily. Yeah. They should. Uh there there's a couple things. And there's some significance to it if they do win it. Like like I said, six-game winning streak for the Mavs. It ties the longest that they had all of last year, and we know how hot they got in the second half of last season. It's kind of crazy to think that they didn't, you know, win more at one time than they – you know, than six at a certain point. Uh, I need to turn off those dang notifications. I don't know how that keeps going off. But anyway <laughs> – uh, if they win tonight, Kirk, it would be the longest win streak that they've had since 2011. They haven't won seven games in a row, at least seven games in a row since then. They just haven't been able to do it. And this is going to be the best shot that they have at doing it. You know, the the worst team in the West, I think the Pistons are a little bit worse than the Rockets in the East, but the worst team in the West, a team that Luka has just dominated – in the two matchups he's played against against them. So, I mean, this is going to be their best shot to do it. And uh, they need to get it because they're already – they have sole possession of of fourth place in the West right now, which is crazy because two weeks ago they were barely hanging on to 10th, uh, that final playing spot. Uh, But this win streak, it has them all the way up to fourth. They need to get this one because the next two they play are against the best teams in each conference. They play the Boston Celtics – and the New Orleans Pelicans, and given both of those games are at home and the Mavs are 15-5 and five at home this year, so, you know, they'll have a shot in those games. But, you know, it's just you kind of look at what Luka's doing right now, and he scored at least 50 points in three of his last five. Uh, Jason Kidd has come out and said, like, we can't keep asking Luka to do this. It's not fair. But, I mean, they really don't have a choice. He said I mean, that they, about they, the offense, too. Where he's like, <laughs> you're not going to make it to Christmas. And then they did precisely nothing different. They, I mean, that's they, not fair. They put Hardaway in. They've done some different stuff. But with the way – like, the combination of the injuries and the team construction, they don't have they don't have a choice. No, I mean, Luka's got – and, I mean – Honestly, though, I mean, everybody keeps saying Luca can't keep up this pace. And, I mean, it feels like everybody's been saying that since the first week of the season. But, like, he just keeps doing it. He he, he keeps taking it higher. And, I mean, that Spurs 50-point performance looked like it was probably the easiest of, of all these big scoring games that he's had so far. Like, he could have had 60 there. He left, he left a lot on the table in that game. A lot but on the it, table. And it all came easy. It's not like he was getting knocked to the ground a lot in that game or, or, you know, being guarded super physically or something like that. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm starting to come around to the idea that this is sustainable and that, you know, he's going to just keep doing this until the Mavs get Dorian Finney-Smith and Josh Green back into the mix. And he still might do it even with them back and the defense will just improve. So, well, his shooting splits are stupid right now. Um, the thing, the only, like the, the thing that I could see him improving is his free throws. Cause he's, he's still not hitting free throws at a reasonable rate for how much he gets the line, but I don't see why 
33 to 35 points a game is really out of range. I don't think he's going like, to – I think he's, he stands as good a chance as he will ever have to win the scoring title, um, and the Mavericks need that because there's a lot of, like, need that comes into these things. Uh, you can assume just because of the way the NBA goes that when they get somebody back, they're having a fully healthy team is extremely difficult to do during an 82 game season for a significant stretch. So I think they're just going to need him to continue to score the points and, and that should be fine. Now, whether they can somehow pull this off against better quality opponents is really what's worth watching. Like I've been, I think they're going to get Boston. I think Luca just loves playing and beating Boston and Boston after starting out the year, like a flaming ball of white hot heat has really cooled. Uh, and cause that just happens over the course of the season. It, it's impossible for all your role players to shoot 40% from three. Um, the Mavericks know that better than anybody. And the, the, the Celtics, I think they might be able to beat cause the, the Celtics lost to Denver last night. Uh, I don't, the new Orleans game, I, Zion is terrifying, <laughs> but in, in terms of like the bigger picture for the rest of the year, I think they're going to be okay. I don't know what seed they're going to fall in because frankly, it's just going to be a little bit of like luck oriented type stuff. But, you know, Josh Bo always says, I guess the Mavericks are just bad for the first 30 games of the year. Cause it's been three years in a row. Now this was even in the case of Rick's last season where they weren't that good. The final, the first 30 games. So, you know, whether they win at like the 65% clip that they did down the stretch last year, I don't really think that's possible. But if you can win 55% of your games, you know, like six, I I guess that's like 11 out of every 10, uh, 20 games. Like, I think the Mavericks can do that. I really do. It's, it's, there's, there's going to be some luck involved, but I don't know. I, 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 what I hope this is, and I'm, I'm curious, I don't, this is your podcast, but I'm curious for your take on this. What I hope is that they play well enough to where they don't make a panic trade. Yeah. Yeah, because we we kind of figure this year, based on their draft pick situation, I've seen the term people have used a punt year as far as, you know, as, as, as at least in the terms of making a trade. Um, because if they can wait it out and they get to draft night and that pick conveys to the Knicks, then all of a sudden, you know, things open up tremendously for them they 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 have access to trade any picks any pick swaps you know whatever they need to do uh in that as you like to to phrase it the please luca stay trade uh you know for later down the road but uh i don't know man i i think i think if they can do something like they did with porzingis last year to where you take some of these bad contracts tim hardaway jr uh, Davis Bertans, if they can take some of those contracts and split them up into into smaller contracts, I think they'll try and do it. Uh, especially, you know, given how uh, bare they are on the wing right now, you know, defensively. With you know, there's no telling how, you know, Josh Smith, Josh Smith, Josh Green. I just combined Dorian Finney-Smith and Josh Green together, but Josh Green, he's been out for like 12 games now. And, you know, he could potentially be out. I've heard somewhere around 20, uh, if not, you know, a little more than that. So, I mean, that that elbow sprain is obviously, you know, a little bit more – a little bit more severe than what we initially thought it was. So, he's going to be out for a while. have no idea how long Finney Smith is going to be out. You know, the Mavs are getting by right now with Luka just putting up absurd 
offensive point, you know, points, production in general is, is rebounds, assists, steals. I mean, everything. Um, but I mean, I just don't know. I think he can sustain that level of dominance on offense. I don't know if the Mavs defense can hold up long term until those guys come back. So I feel like I feel like they have to make a move. I don't think it has to be like a super panicky move, you know, trading something that you'd have to give up first round picks for, but I right. do think they need to do something to kind of kind of bolster their depth there. And I mean, yeah. I, I I don't really know what your options are unless, you know, like say Jay Crowder with the Suns, if that situation has deteriorated so much that, you know, they could get him for next to nothing. You know, that that's kind of a situation. Or uh, Robert Covington, you know, I don't know what the situation with him is like now with uh, – uh, shoot, who is he with now, the Clippers? Covington, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's they're a deep team. Yeah, so I mean, something something like that. I mean, I, I'd like to see the Mavs get in on, but I don't I don't see them doing anything, you know, big. I don't. Yeah. I think they're going to wait until the summer because that's where they're going to have their best opportunity when something comes up, you know, like the Donovan Mitchell thing did with Cleveland uh, over this last off season, and they took advantage of it. So, well, and and what I find particularly interesting, you know, you look at the standings and. There's not been for for a deep draft class, and I, I all your listeners probably realize this, but in my opinion, this projects to be like a 2018 style draft class with some unbelievable talent. We're not seeing any mega tanking. Like we're really like the Rockets are bad, the Spurs are bad, the Lakers are bad, but it's not in t- like outside of maybe the Spurs. I don't think there's any intentionality to the the being bad. You go over to the Eastern Conference, and you know some of these teams are just like organically awful. Like they're not. I I, I we've yet to see, and it's almost halfway through the season, which is what makes this so interesting. We've yet to see some of the super tanking we had been thinking of, you know, prior to the year. Like there's a team like the Washington Wizards, for example who probably had some level of, of aspiration of being decent. They're, they're 10th and they can't be happy with 10th and they should probably be terrible. Is Daniel Gafford, for example, available? You know, he makes, he makes a little under $2 million a year and would immediately provide Dallas with something like, like immediately, because if, you know, we kind of have to come to terms with the fact that Maxi Kleba is probably not coming back. And if Maxi Kleba does come back, he will never be the same. Um, you mentioned this, that you hurt your hamstring 20 years ago and you're not the same. Like, I, obviously we're not professional grade athletes, but hamstrings are a huge muscle group. It's impossible to really be the same unless you're, you know, unless the things just work out just so, so, you know, a big like that, I, I sort of think if, if, if I was putting my money on the, them doing something, it's finding a, it's finding a big over a wing just because, bigs tend to be a little bit more available. Like our fan base is extremely quick to want to throw Reggie Bullock into the sun, but I don't think you can do that with this team's roster construction. Like even a, even a frustrating Reggie is better than no Reggie at all. I know that sounds crazy, but you just described the Dallas depth problems. Yeah. It's it's kind of one of those things where the thing with Reggie Bullock is even if he comes around to hitting his threes, like he started to do, you know, in December, uh, you still have the issue of he hasn't been good defensively this year. Yeah. I mean, that, a, that's arguably a much bigger problem for what the Mavericks want to do. 
Right. I mean, it would be one thing if he was missing all these shots and play. And I, I love Reggie Bullock. I think he's a great guy. I think uh, you know when if he can get it together, he's a he's going to be a really valuable piece for the Mavs, just like he was last year when they made their deep run. But I mean, I don't know what happened to him. Maybe it's just a prolonged effect from you know having that long Western Conference Finals run, and you know he's still trying to to get it all together and recover from that. Maybe, but I mean, we're already in January, and it's right. like. He just can't keep anybody in front of him. And nope. I don't know I don't know what the fix to that is. Like he has he just gotten to that point in his career? Like I sort of think a- so. I, I you hate to see it. You hate to even mention it because you know, when you see these top tier athletes, you don't really think about it because you know, Dirk played for such a long time, Kobe played for such a long time, but like realistically, it's just very difficult to keep your athletic peak and you know a a good defender above 32 33 which is i think reggie might be 32 at this point it's just harder and harder to come by reggie's not huge um but you know it also could be just an, an instance of of if you're a basketball junkie then you know there's no better time of year than the nba playoffs Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wear and tear and focus and that sort of thing. Because when the Mavericks were really cooking defensively last year, it was definitely like a kinetic chain of the team. And that's hard to do with the injuries that we've been seeing with, you know, kid trying different lineups and things of that nature. And, you know, we, we have all kind of complained about this, you know, the kid hasn't wanted to play his best lineups for whatever reason. 
Um, you know, I, I'm still hopeful that Reggie can figure something out to a degree defensively. Uh, I think being without Dorian makes it makes him look yeah. even worse. Because like him and Dorian, like Dorian was not a I don't think Dorian was your best on ball defender last year, but Dorian basically was such a chaotic force that he could help make up for other people's mistakes. And if that's not out there right now, everything else looks worse. Yeah. And I mean, Josh Green, too. I mean, he's arguably been, you know, uh, the, the overall stats weren't there. But I mean, I think if you said before this run happened and before he got injured, I think there was an argument to be made that he was probably the second or third best Maverick this season. I mean, uh, it's certainly the best man to man defender. Like, he yeah. looks like, like he fouls <laughs> like nobody's business. But I think. You know, I think that's more of a him being who the hell is this guy to the referees more than him committing a lot of fouls. So it's right. it's it's him not being able to play fifteen to twenty minutes of defense a night. I think his take is is taking its toll down the lineup. Well, and and all of this, I mean, it, it kind of brings me back to your your point about uh, you know how deep this upcoming draft is because my co-host Drew Johnson, uh, he is. I mean, he watches a bunch of NBA and everything, but he's he's real big in college basketball too. And he has said on recent episodes, like, you know, even if they if they don't make a big trade and they're and they're waiting for the offseason to make that big splashy trade that they're hoping for, you know, if if they're winning right now without some of these dudes that are out, I mean, what if you get to the trade deadline and you have an opportunity to add a first round pick in this upcoming draft, you know, for Bullock or, or for Finney mm-hmm. Smith, it'd be harder to do it for Finney Smith just because of, you know, he, yep. he's, he's a little bit younger. Luca loves him. Um, but you know, so, some of these veteran pieces, the Mavs have Dwight Powell on an expiring contract. Uh, you know, if, if they have a chance to add some draft capital, get a, get a first round pick in this upcoming draft. I mean, even if it hurts you, for the you know short term for the home stretch of this season, I think you kind of have to do it because I mean there's just this team just isn't as much as the Mavs might say they they're young. They're, it's just not a young team. Oh, I, I mean think they're the third. I think they're, they're quite literally the third oldest team in the league this year. Like uh, yeah. because you added um, with McGee, McGee's thirty four, uh, and, and that was the only guy they added. I mean, I, I'm also curious whether they count Hardy as part of the roster, but I saw something. They're one of the five oldest teams in the league. But I think they, in a in a purely transactional sense, that would be something the Mavericks have to do. I, however, don't think we have any chance of that happening. The Mavericks have not taken a first-round pick in a trade in 18 years. <laughs> 18 years, Okay. <laughs> And, you know, coming into the newest, like the, the previous CBA, so after the 2011 uh, championship, the CBA that was signed that December, you know, after the lockout, Cuban said that going into the next, going into the next, you know, uh, uh, contract period, that first round picks were going to be very valuable. Draft assets would be very valuable. And he has just not really abided by that. And I think that's largely due to the Dirk factor. Um, they, they got lucky with Luca to a degree, but even then they didn't get that lucky because they fell in the lottery. Once that was picked, the Mavericks just aren't really, you know, draft attuned. And it's very frustrating for me for a practical level, uh, in terms of being, you know, content creator, like you are, where I love talking about the draft, but then from a, a asset building point of view to where Josh green 
has gone from a guy who I was pretty willing to let go to being one of their only valuable assets and people get kind of irrationally attached to him. And Josh is good. Josh is better than I thought it would, than I thought he would be. I'll say that. But for him to be this important on an asset level kind of speaks to the depth or lack of depth to the Mavs asset pool. Uh, And that's, you know, that's where I just wish, you know, going back in time, the Mavericks would have been a little bit more lucky with some of the things that they did. I mean, the 2020 draft where two out of the three guys are out of the league by the second year is really tough. Now, everybody else in that range seems to have sucked too. So I'm not really super mad about it in the abstract. It's just difficult to process when you look at, at what other teams are doing, where you look at like the bucks are a really good example of this, where they have the, the, this problem with, with uh, I think his name's Marjan Bochamp. Um, He can't get on the floor and the bucks people desperately want him to get on the floor because you just need, like you might need a guy like that come playoff time. That's sort of the same argument that a lot of Mavs fans have for Hardy, interestingly enough, even though they're very different players. But you just need like younger guys at some point or you need bodies because Dallas got unbelievably lucky following um, the turn of the calendar last year where they started playing about seven and a half guys in mid-January and then Tim Hardaway got hurt. And then it was just never the same. Like the, the Mavericks played seven and a half guys the rest of the year. Josh got sent into exile you know, he played a little bit in the count in the, in the playoffs, which was obviously great. But you just can't count on that because one injury really will set you back. And we've seen that, you know, or I think we'll eventually see that with Maxi Kleba getting hurt, even though the Mavericks have managed to do pretty good without him so far. I think this is kind, of, and I mean, some of it, some of it you can put on the Mavs front office, and then some of it is kind of like, and I'm talking about them kind of misjudging situations and I feel like a lot of the issues here I've seen other people talk about it on national you know NBA pods and stuff like that but I feel like the Mavs they knew Luca was good I don't think they knew he was going to be as good as he was so quick and I think that kind of like flustered uh the front office a little bit you know the previous front office you know Donnie Nelson and them um I don't think they were expecting that. You know, I mean, how it, could you? Luca's year two leap was stupid. Right. <laughs> so it's like instead of having a situation like, you know, with the Detroit Pistons and say Cade Cunningham and he got injured, no. obviously. So that that affects this year too. But you know, like just just for an outside example, Cade Cunningham and the Pistons, you know, they got him and he was supposed to be, you know, everybody thought he was going to be a really uh generational talent. I guess that that term gets thrown around too often these days, but uh, you know, the Pistons are still not good. Yep. <laughs> they're still going to be not good for the next, you know, handful of seasons. And in that time, they're going to rack up a bunch of young dudes in the lottery and let them grow together. And maybe they'll never be good. But, you know, they I think they have a high ceiling because of that. And that's just something that uh, that the Mavs just they're, – they're not going to – they're not going to have probably in the Luka – era so i would like for them to be able to you know acquire a first round pick or two but like you said it it hasn't happened in two decades so i mean i'm not going to get my hopes up but um i guess i just hope that that uh josh green continues to develop and maybe hardy turns into something too because i mean i i think 
for Hardy to be what we want him to be, what I think he can be, it's he's going to have to get more than, you know, just some spot minutes every five to six games. He's going to have to have something that's actual, you know, playing time. And I, I love what he's doing with the Texas Legends. He's been amazing. But, I mean, the only way he's going to legitimately get better and be, you know, an actual rotation player for the Mavs is if he gets real playing time. And, well, and the difficult part with him is what he does with the Legends has almost no bearing on what he ends up doing with the Mavericks. And what I mean by that is when he's with the Legends, he's going to get 20-plus shots because that's the design. He ought to. When he's with the Mavericks, even if he plays in the rotation, sometimes he might get five, six, seven shots max. And we kind of saw that the other night when he played. It wasn't with, you know, he wasn't bad per se, but it's like he had one turnover and then he missed four. I think he was over four from the four or something like that. And that's okay. But getting used to different kinds of volume is probably really difficult for a guy that's had the ball most of his life. And so it's like you got to mix in the opportunities to where, okay, we're very clear this guy has NBA-level skills. Now how do we get the most out of those skills within the framework of the team? And I think the biggest gripe, at least what I've seen within the fan base, is like like I said before, if Reggie Bullock was playing – lockdown defense like he has in the past you wouldn't hear near as many people you know yelling about him not being able to hit a shot for most of the season so far but you know with him if he's not going to hit shots and he's not going to come around on the defensive end either people are looking at it and it's like you know <laughs> hardy could get some of those minutes and he can shoot just as bad as as bullock can and and not play defense but it, there's actually going to be more of a benefit to that uh, than 32-year-old Bullock playing, you know, you actually have your younger guy in there getting experience, and it's kind of you're getting the same production pretty much. So, yeah. you know, that's that's the biggest gripe there. But I know I, I get how NBA coaches, and especially Jason Kidd, is kind of like you have to uh, you have to earn your minutes unless you're JaVale McGee. So <clears throat> at the start of the season. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I would say, like, where I am right now, is I'm trying not to I'm trying to figure out how I feel about the fact that the Mavericks are going to be on a seven game win streak with Luca averaging 40 points a game against a bad team. But with the fact that I'm still like worried that the team's not quite good enough, with the fact that they're the fourth seed. Like there's no there's a lot of like irreconcilable stuff here and you know my favorite is when people yell at me or it's like, "Ah, oh, you didn't have faith" and blah 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 and it's like it's not that it's just, it's like at a certain point you expect things to go kind of sideways. So it's like, if you look at the Mavs calendar here, you know, you go Boston, New Orleans, Oklahoma city, Clippers, Clippers, Lakers, Portland, Portland. That's all road, by the way, they go on yeah. a five game West coast road trip with a lot of late start times for us old men here. Woo. If they play 500 basketball, I'm going to be okay with that because it's, it's not easy. It's not like that. And, and you know, I, I think that what happened last year, and you go look at, at, at like, the game log, the Mavericks didn't lose back-to-back -back games for a huge stretch of 2022 in the, in the second half of the season. And that's just not really sustainable. It's Or it's not something you should expect, I think, is the right way to come across it. It's like, if they do it, I'm going to be ecstatic because it means Luca's that good. It means they found something. It's just it, it like it feels like they're missing a little something. And the I don't know what it is past like the ball handler thing, but
but I also can't ignore the results. And so I, I've, I've, I just, I don't know how to feel, which is a weird place to be 40 games into the season. Yeah. It seems like without Josh Green, without Dorian Finney-Smith, they've kind of taken this approach where it's just like, it's like back to the Rick Carlisle days, all offense. Who cares about it? by the way. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to watch and cover. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I, I think there's something to be said, even though they're winning against bad teams, you know, during this streak they've they've put together, it, it can do wonders for the locker room. Uh, we saw Luca talk about that after the last game. Great against point. The he said the mood in the locker room is amazing. Guys are having fun and joking and everything. And I think you can really build on stuff like that. Uh, you know, I think I think guys that normally wouldn't get a lot of minutes, like I know – people give Frank Nielakina fits. I mean, I still do sometimes, but I mean, you know, he hit a big shot in that last game in the fourth quarter uh, against the Spurs. So, I mean, if you just, if you can get something, just a little bit of something from each spot uh, and Luca's playing the way he's playing, I think, uh, I think they'll continue to win some games. We'll see how it holds up when they get to, you know, Boston, New Orleans, and then go on that tough road trip. But so far, I mean, I'm pretty pleased. I was, I was kind of, I was upset with how they started the season because I truly believed that you know it would be like what we're watching now. I believe that losing Jalen Brunson wouldn't affect them as much in the regular season uh, as much as it would when they eventually got to the postseason if they hadn't addressed that that right. true ball handler issue. So this is more of what I expected. You know, them them being kind of in the middle of the Western Conference top eight and not having issues stacking up enough wins uh, to be in that range. And then once you get to the playoffs, then they, they might struggle depending on, you know, what moves they make. But yep. I'm happy with it right now. So, Yep. yep well, Kurt, I appreciate you joining me. And uh, it was kind of a last-second thing, but um, I was planning to do something sometime today anyway, and I'm glad you were my first guest of 2023. So I appreciate it, man. Sure, man. Oh, always happy to uh... – to talk what we normally do anyways, only not recorded um, and get some content out of it as, uh, as, as, as your, your boss and my friend, Mike Fisher always says, we're just like, don't, don't be wasting, don't waste stuff. Like yep. make something out of it. If Twitter ever comes out with a feature to where you can record Twitter DMs somehow and just automatically post them as podcasts, we're going to blow any kind of content records out of out of the water because <laughs> it's just right. stuff that flies daily. But uh, well, guys, look, I, we appreciate you coming in and listening uh, again. This is Kirk Henderson, editor in chief at Mavs Moneyball. You can find him at Kirk Serious Face on Twitter. Be sure to go read all the great stuff they've got going on over there at Mavs Moneyball as well. Uh, and keep an eye on DallasBasketball.com too. We've got some some great stuff coming up this week. Uh, not just game coverage, but uh, Grant, he has some some really special things cooking right now. Uh, I just checked over in Tempest, and I'm not going to spoil it for him, but there's a lot of good stuff coming uh, later this week too. So, guys, appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your day. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.